Ephesians chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, let's open them to Ephesians chapter 5 as we can continue our look at Ephesians here on Sunday morning. And we find ourselves in verses 22 to 33. And let us begin by reading them together. Now wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her, that He might sanctify, cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, having, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church." For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. I think it was Autumn's sophomore year in high school that she finally wanted to redo her bedroom. And she picked out the colors and we redid it. And then she realized that the furniture she had was still too reflectant of her you know, younger years, as she would so affectionately put it. And so she decided to upgrade the furniture of her room. And she had worked hard and saved the money to do so. And so we made a trip to a place, well, that if I never frequent again, it would be all too soon. It's this big yellow and blue building in Schaumburg called Ikea. You can buy almost everything there, including Swedish meatballs. Figures. And we went and we bought a bed, a dresser, and a desk, and they all came in flat boxes. And of course, it was in the middle of the winter. And so here I am putting these flat boxes in the back of our car and bringing them home, and now she has a new bedroom set. I thought I was free and clear at that moment. And then I realized that they, of course, had to be assembled. And as much as I tried to hide in our condo, I couldn't do it sufficiently, and I got drawn into the project with Dina and and Autumn. And by the time I got in there, there were 10,000 pieces all around the room. And they were trying to make heads or tails out of things, and they were looking through the instructions and so forth. And I went in there, of course, thinking, me being a man, that I know better, and who needs instruction. No, 
you know, a man worth his salt needs the instructions, you know. I had no clue what I was doing. And then my daughter handed me the instructions. And eight hours later, we had a bed. Literally, it was six to eight hours. It was a long time. Thank God there was a snow day the next day and no one had to go to school or work. But I remember being handed these instructions. Page after page. This is only five of 36. I didn't want to print off the rest. Of every part, of every piece, of every step. And there's no words, it's all pictures. Isn't it good to know that the Egyptians started with hieroglyphics, then we formulated a beautiful writing system, and now we're back to pictures such as this and emojis? I think we're going in the wrong direction, don't you? Just page after page. But in all honesty, after looking at it all, I found that the page on the front cover was probably the most beneficial. (laughs) That this is what it's supposed to look like afterwards, and if you have parts left over... Oh, well, (laughs) so often when we come to this passage of Scripture, we get so caught up in the page after page after page of the details of this, often trying to be explained, interpreted, and applied, and apart from the rest of the context of the book of Ephesians, you miss it all. Obviously, I believe that this is the cornerstone chapter in the relationship between husband and wife that the Bible offers. But there are some presumptions that Paul uh, has in his mind, I believe, based on the previous chapters prior to this, that he is expecting each Christian to adopt prior to his explanation concerning marriage. And the design in which God has designed it to function and to work. But like this, if we divorce this passage from everything else in the book of Ephesians, we're going to miss the overall picture. We're not going to understand what it means to be submissive. And often then derive ideas from our world and so forth. We don't know what it means to love unless we understand the love that Jesus Christ has and displayed for us. So I think it's important that when we enter into this portion of Scripture that we do so in the context of the entire book. If you Google and go to Amazon, you will find that if you search for Christian books on marriage, it just simply says over 10,000 within it. And yet so many Christian marriages are struggling today. Oh, and they know this passage of Scripture and they apply it in the manner that they see fit, but often divorce it from the rest of the entire book. Not looking at what Paul is absolutely describing here. And what Paul desires here. And what God is looking for here. But if we are going to understand the words in which Paul uses here. And understand how it is meant to function. Based on the total context of the book of Ephesians. 
we will miss the dynamic impact of it and misapply it within our marriage, which so often it is. We have a tendency to emphasize one word and diminish the requirement of the other. I have seen so many poor examples, illustrations, interpretations of submission, of love, of authority, and so forth. And yet when we try to simply emphasize just one of those points apart from everything else, it still doesn't function the way God intended it to function. Because the the meaning of the marriage that God has created is vastly superior to the understanding of marriage in the world today. And if we as Christians don't understand what God is trying to do in and through marriage, we're going to miss it all. And it's never going to be what it's meant to be. In 35 years now of being a Christian, 28 of pastoring here at than the church prior to here, this section of Scripture I find to be often uh, one that is more divisive than it is unifying in the marriage relationship. Let us understand that marriage is a covenant and institution that was designed by God for His people. From the very beginning, in Genesis 2.24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one. From the very beginning, God had very specific ideas and instructions and understanding of the marriage covenant. And we need to understand His design, His desire, and what Paul was trying to bring out in the passage in which we are looking at this morning. And it all begins with the understanding of the true meaning of marriage. And he says it quite clearly in verse 32. If you notice there with me in your text, he says, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. There is something more happening here than just mere compatibility between two people. It's a twofold meaning. Number one, and this is one that is emphasized often, our marriage between husband and wife, and I believe that God's design for marriage is between a man and a woman. Amen. Amen. And if I have to go one step farther, let me say this a biological man and a woman. Okay? And I, I don't mean to be rude or cruel, but it is absolutely God's word. It's, it's un, undeniable. Peace. And every other ab- attempt in any other form of marriage is a distortion of what God is trying to communicate to the world in and through marriage. I think it is interesting that even in gay and lesbian unions... One assumes the role of the husband and the other assumes the role of the wife. That's always eluded me to why they have the necessity to do that. 
is it simply because God designed it to be between a man and a woman. First and foremost, and this is what we are most commonly uh, told when it comes to the meaning of our marriage, that our marriage is meant to be a witness unto the world of the love of Jesus Christ for us and our submission to that love towards Him. But do you know that it's also meant, and here's the, op- the other side of that coin, it's also meant to instill in us and, and show us and illustrate for us what d- God desires between us and Him. Throughout the Old Testament, the Jewish people operated under the covenant of the law. And God says, if you obey me, then I will bless you. But in the New Covenant, Paul makes it abundantly clear that Jesus established and prophesied in Jeremiah 31, 31. In this New Covenant, God says, I've blessed you with everything, now obey me out of love. See, the marriage illustration in the Christian life is also there to illustrate and to demonstrate to us what God is seeking from us as individuals uh, towards our relationship with Him. He wants an intimate love relationship with each and every one of us. Displayed in a couple who deeply love each other. And therefore we can see that that's what God wants from us. He's showing us, He's demonstrating for us what He desires from us towards Him. The marriage relationship is one of the most beautiful constructs that He ever created. Because not only should the world look on us and see our wonderful relationship with Jesus Christ, but also as individuals within that marriage, we should now understand what God is looking for from us. Throughout the Old Testament, often when the children of Israel uh, sinned against their God and went after other gods, it was called adultery. And adultery can't take place unless the individuals are married. In the New Testament, that is continued, and the church is specifically called the Bride of Christ. There's much more happening here. And if we simply focus on submission and we simply focus on love, we miss the overall. And now I'm not saying those aren't important. I'm just saying let's start from the top down and understand that what God is trying to do through our marriage is much bigger than us individually. It's bigger than us together as one husband and wife. It is meant to be something that God wants to use as a light and an illustration onto the whole world and to our our own hearts. When he talks about this mystery, he's talking about something new being revealed. And it's really emphasized in Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter 3, he comes out and says that the the mystery of the uh, body of Christ being compiled of Jew and Gentile together is a new concept. Jesus, our head, we, the body. And then he uses that and says, now he illustrates that by using marriage and also continues his thought in the beginning of chapter 5. When he talks about walking in love, walking in light, and walking in wisdom. And the first thing that Paul wants us to know and understand before we get into this is that he's speaking to Christians here. If the couple is both Christians, he's speaking to both of you. If you are in a marriage and your spouse does not know the Lord, he is speaking to you. 
in whatever capacity that you are in, husband or wife. That's the first presumption. The second presumption is this, that we as individuals are walking properly with God. As he instructed us in chapter 4, verse 1, that we walk worthy of the calling in which we've been called. This is the foundation for everything else that comes now in verses 22 to 23. That we as individuals are cultivating a deep and intimate personal relationship with God and in so doing, it appears that in many cases and examples, this is a natural outflow of what the marriage relationship is meant to look like. And often in my ministry, my ministry I have seen couples who are deeply walking with the Lord, and this relationship just comes natural to them. It is when individuals choose to walk carnally with God that this relationship becomes a problem in the Christian marriage. It becomes a problem when the individual is not seeking selflessness, but selfishness then this relationship between husband and wife within the marriage context becomes a problem. But individuals, they're walking in the Spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, and the fruit of the Spirit are being manifested within them, love, peace, joy, etc. Often naturally, naturally fall in to this relationship between husband and wife. Dean and I were talking about it this week. I, I really wanted to talk with her about it. Her and I have never had a conversation about my lack of love towards her or her lack of submission towards me. I'm just going to be honest with you. The only time that I ever had to correct her is when she refused to cut off the crust of my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And if that's the worst thing I got going, so be it. But I will tell you, it's not that we don't have flaws. It's not that we don't disagree at times. It's not that we don't see eye to eye at times, but we have found that as we cultivate and nurture our personal individual relationships with Jesus Christ, it appears to be an outflowing. I love her because Christ loved me. She submits and respects me because of her relationship with Christ. And so I wanted to say that before we look at these verses together. He begins with the wife. But notice, he has much more to say to the husband. And he says to the wives, he says, Now submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife. Also, Christ is the head of the church. As he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. First notice with me, that when he illustrates or gives an example of this type of submission, he is immediately pointing back to Jesus Christ. And though the husband has been called to be the head of the family, the husband obviously is still in subjection to the authority of Jesus Christ. That cannot be stressed enough. One pastor that I Uh, was under for a while, he said this, no individual can be in a position of authority until they learn to be under authority. So the governance of the husband immediately is connected with the uh, authority of Jesus Christ over him. The idea of submission here 
is not an idea that the woman in any way is inferior to the man. That's not what he's saying here. But let us understand that every institution, everything that God created, everything that God has done is a derivative of his personal character. Let us understand, too, that in the marriage relationship between husband, wife, and children, we see further illustration of the beautiful triune nature of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And though all three were equal, they fulfilled differing roles. And it's clear by Scripture that the Son submitted unto the Father's authority, though still equal. And it's clear that the Holy Spirit was equal to the Son and the Father, but He submitted to the authority of Christ. And so let us understand that Jesus Christ, as our ultimate example of authority, displayed that authority in a very unique way. He led in a very unique way. It was that authority and that love that caused Him to gird His waist with a towel and wash the feet of His disciples. So before we think that our job as men is to lord over our wives, thinking this is part of my responsibility as being head of the family, let us quickly remember that the lordship authority of Jesus Christ was one that was defined not by one who came to be served, but to serve. Now this changes everything. Dean has often said to me, and I use my own example because I think it's important that I can't talk on any Christian principle that I first haven't applied to myself. We haven't had this discussion because she says, I naturally want to. But I need to make it clear, though, that there are some misunderstandings of what this submission looks like practically. Let me just give you a couple that I personally experienced in my years of ministry. Number one. One dear Christian woman came to me and said, you know, I understand that it is my job to submit to my husband. And so when I see that he is adamantly making a bad decision for the family, I let it be and let him learn from his mistakes. Because if I were to say anything, I would not be submitting to him. And that is just... I think, so wrong in so many different ways. Some of the best input and advice that I get is from my wife. If she feels that I am making a poor decision, she has all the the right and capacity to come to me and say, honey, I think we're going in the wrong direction. I'm not infallible. And maybe it causes me to rethink, and hopefully it does, and pray further about the decision that I'm about to make. But if we cut off our wives in that way, we are cutting off part of ourselves as we are one with them. They should have input into the major family decisions that we make. Now, ultimately, I believe God will hold me accountable for the leading of my family. But I would never, ever say to Dina, listen, your opinion is just that. Keep it. When I ask for it, then you can give it to me. That's ridiculous, guys. That's ridiculous. Jesus was approachable by his disciples all the time, even when they disagreed with him. Now, he did say to Peter, get you behind me, Satan. I'm not saying that husbands should say that to their wives. But I do believe that we need to clarify in the life of Jesus Christ 
that he absolutely displayed for us an approachability. Many husbands do not allow that for their wives in Christianity. I think that's a terrible mistake. Secondly, another example. Another example. If the husband wants to lead the wife into sin, her first and foremost allegiance is to Jesus Christ. We had a new believer come to church. She got saved. She started walking with the Lord. And of course, she had questions about marriage and her husband was not a believer at that time. And she had questions about her role as a wife, as a Christian. And her husband wanted to, her to engage in activity that no Christian should be engaged in, the viewing of pornography. And a woman from another church said to her, if that's what he wants, you need to do it in order to be submissive to him. That could not be farther from the truth. That could not be farther. Again, first and foremost is our relationship with Jesus Christ. As we learn about this design that God has for us based on the triune nature of His own personal character, let us understand here that this submissive act is one that is done out of a willing heart and is done in honor of Jesus Christ because this is the role that Jesus Christ has prescribed for the wife. And listen, there are some qualifications. Number one, it does state here that the hierarchy is that the husband is under Jesus Christ. Now, if the wife is married to someone who does not know the Lord, she is still prescribed this role. However, though, if his desire is for her to sin against clear Scripture in a way that is uh, going to violate her conscience and her relationship with Jesus Christ, as I had mentioned, her first and foremost loyalty is to Jesus. But secondly, notice this, that the example of this is the church to Jesus Christ. And so let wives to their own husband, not to all men. I can't just go up to one of the ladies here and say, cut the, the uh, crust off my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. They have all the right to me and say, no, go ask Dina to do that. I'm not doing it. It's to your own husband. Now, I believe that much of this is defined as we grow as Christians and sanctify as Christians, husband and wife together. Jesus being the cornerstone and the pinnacle of our faith. It is very important that we understand that, that this is in the context, husband and wife, Christians under the authority, each under the authority of Jesus Christ. But Paul, of course, doesn't leave it there. Though he is asking the wife, commanding the wife to do this, he is now commanding that the husband love her in a very unique and a very superior way. And that is as Jesus Christ loved the church. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved 
the church, and gave himself for her. The incredible manner in which Jesus Christ displayed his love for us in the laying down of his own life. Now, we shouldn't forget for a moment that while he walked with the disciples, he often took a role of humility. He was always approachable. And though he was, of course, the teacher, the rabbi, the one, the Messiah, and he had the final word of authority, there was a gentleness about him, more aptly described as a meekness, which is a strength reigned in. That picture of Jesus, the description of love in 1 Corinthians 13, the laying down of his life for his church. Now, we often think that it's simply the act of the physical death, but he laid down his life that for the church's behalf, our behalf, he took our sins upon himself. He came and healed the sick and he opened the eyes of the blind and he dealt with the religious Pharisees and he loved the people and the cast out the sinners. All of that has to be taken into play, into account if we are going to truly understand the love in which God displayed for us. And we as husbands, we need to lay down our lives for our wives. Putting her in that position of love, of, a th- of caring and nurturing and cherishing, as Paul will talk about in just a minute, in the same manner that Christ interacted with those who were here on this earth. It's a much bigger picture. Of course, John said it aptly when he said, no greater love has this than anyone lay down his life for a friend. It's important that you and I know this and that we seek to love our wives in such a manner. Now notice, he goes on now to explain all that Jesus has done. Verse 26. That he, that is Jesus, might sanctify, that is, the church, and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. Then he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. We should be seeking as husbands to edify our wives in the Lord, encouraging them, building them up, presenting them better than they were when they first came, not seeking to conform the woman into the image that we want her to be, but helping the Spirit and God and encouraging that work in her so she may conform into the image of Jesus Christ. And that when he returns, she is better than when we first got married. Loving her in that way. Cherishing her, nourishing her in that way. What a beautiful picture that is. I think of Malachi when God addresses very clearly that he hates divorce. Some of the new translations of the Bible unfortunately reword that portion of Scripture. 
They do so because of the manuscript evidence that we have. And unfortunately, in this case of what's called textual criticism, I believe it's gone too far. It is clear that God hates divorce. It's clear from Scripture. But he talks about the violence of the man against his wife within it. That is his heart towards the subject We have to understand that being married, that God giving us someone to be married to is a privilege. It's a wonderful thing. And as I look to selflessly serve my family in honor of Christ, loving her as Jesus Christ loved the church, not only laying down my life for her, but cherishing her and nourishing her along the way. I believe that it, since that is my pursuit, and I don't by far do it perfectly. I don't. And I'm sure you don't either. But it encourages that submitting. It encourages that depth of relationship. But notice what he says here. Now, in presenting her, the church, that is, without spot or wrinkle, washing with the word of God and without blemish, we as, fa- as husbands and fathers need to fulfill two roles. We need to lead our home, but we also need to be the priest within our home, encouraging our wife, encouraging our children to grow in Jesus Christ. Dean and I sp- try to spend time in the word daily together, pray together daily. Often when we go out somewhere, the course of our conversation is, what have you been reading in the Word lately? What's God been doing in your relationship? Exactly. And what's interesting to me is that when we start fellowshipping in that way together as husband and wife, it seems like we have endless conversation. Oh, the Lord showed me this today. I'm like, wow. That's awesome. You're completely wrong, but it's good anyway. No, I'm kidding. And then she'll ask me, what are you reading? And we'll talk about it for hours. And when we pray together, it is the, it's the depth of intimacy that I never thought I could experience. When we approach God together as husband and wife, If you are not spending time in the Word with your family, may I encourage you to do so. Paul would have you to do so. If you're not praying with your spouse, your wife, and encouraging her in the Word, start today. Help her to grow in her faith. Come alongside of her. But this requires that you yourself do the same. One of the first arguments that Dina and I had when we first got married was when we first got married, she would often come to me, I was older in the Lord, and she would say, well, what does this passage mean? And what does that passage mean? And I'm always was willing to answer, but God laid it on my heart. You know, it's really important that you encourage her to cultivate a personal relationship with me. So I encouraged her to go back to the word and to, you know, to dig it out and to read more. And she got very frustrated. Well, what do I have you around then for? 27 years later, 
we have a marriage today that I didn't think was possible because the depth of her personal relationship with God is where God always wanted it to be. And we're growing daily. We're growing daily. But I saw that it was so necessary for each of us to individually cultivate that depth of relationship with the Lord and then bring that relationship into our marriage. Verse 28, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. Obviously, I think it's clear what Paul is saying here. Because he goes on to clarify, He who loves his wife loves himself. We've become one. And my love for her in this way is only benefiting myself also. For no one ever hated his own flesh. And here are the two words that Paul uses. But nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. We've often said that God loves us too much to leave us the way He found us. And my love for Dina needs to be manifested in the way that I'm constantly encouraging her, making it possible for her to get into the Word of God. When the school year's here and she's teaching at school, she gets up at five in the morning to spend time with the Lord. And that private time that she has with the Lord is so valuable and almost every night before we go to bed, we, we sit on these, she, she's on the love seat, I'm on the couch, and, and we just talk about what she has learned, helping her grow. And then she encourages me and helps me grow. And the manner in which we complement each other is amazing. And that's what I desire for all marriages. Now, it didn't happen overnight. This is 27 years. I still make grave mistakes, just ask her. And yet... When we fall back into Christ, He allows us once again to put that foot forward to allow me to love her as Jesus loved the church, to nourish her, that is, of course, nourishing her in the Word of God, nourishing her in the things of the Lord, encouraging her. When Autumn was first born, I would often take Autumn for a walk so Dina could have some time alone with the Lord. Being a new mom, it's overwhelming. When she comes home from work and, you know, she's exhausted, giving her that time, hey, no problem, honey, I, I'll, I'll take care of things. What would you like for dinner? Your, the choices are ample. We've got cereal and frozen pizza. Proficient at both. If Dina says, hey, you know what? You're going to be home today. Would you mind throwing in a couple loads of laundry? Sure, no problem. Oh, can you run to the grocery store? Of course. Hey, would you mind taking out the garbage? Nope. No, I'm kidding. Because I love her. I'll do anything for her. I'm so blessed that God allowed me to have her. But he, know, he very quickly says, and cherishes. Now this is something that is, again, a word that we hear often, but it means to take care of with the implication of such deep concern for their well-being. Now I'll let you expand that. What does, my, what does your wife need as a husband for her well-being in Christ? 
Is it some time with the Lord? Is it to take a few things off of her plate? Is it to spend personal time with her? What can I do as her husband to encourage her in that way? Do you notice our list is much longer? It's much more detailed. There's much more responsibility to it. And so often when I hear husbands saying, my wife just won't submit to me, I have to ask them, are you really loving them as Jesus Christ loved the church? You want to put all the onus on them. Why don't you pony up? And are you loving them like Jesus Christ loves the church? And often they say, well, of course I am. And then you ask them, what does that look like? And they have no idea. Well, it's not happening. Now, I'm not saying that each role is conditional. I'm not saying that if the husband doesn't love the wife, then the wife isn't responsible to submit. I'm not saying that. And vice versa. We are both responsible to what God has personally called us to do, regardless. Because again, remember, the foremost authority in each of our lives is Jesus Christ. It's not a conditional relationship. These are what God has prescribed for us to fulfill. As we nourish and cherish our wife in such a way, again, he then brings it to verse 30. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bone. For this reason, a man shall leave his wife, I'm sorry, father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And here's the emphasis that the dual nature of that statement, not only is it for the world to see Christ in our marriage, but for us to understand our relationship with Christ, that he's looking for a love relationship with him. And then he concludes in a very simple but yet profound way. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife. Starts with the husband now. As himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. One of the greatest witnessing tools that we have is our marriage. We as Christians need to see our marriage not only as something that we personally enjoy and benefit from, but a ministry unto this world. We need to first and foremost take our hearts before the Lord and ask ourselves, are we walking as Christ would want us to walk? Individually, personally. Or has selfishness and pride and arrogance entered our heart? Because we have to deal with that if we are going to properly, as husbands, love our wives as Jesus Christ loved the church. But the Bible also tells us that after the fall, the desire of woman would be that for her husband, meaning that the woman would desire the position of authority that God has given to the husband. And so wives, too, need to step back. And they need to examine their own heart before the Lord has pride, selfishness, arrogance, bitterness entered in my heart that is keeping me from willfully submitting to my husband. That's where the the process begins, is individually with God. And with the Holy Spirit, God would 
will allow us to love as husbands the way God has called us to love, which is an impossibility in our flesh, and vice versa. But I tell you, in the couples that I have seen over the years, it is always an outworking of their personal, individual relationships with God that manifests itself in a proper way within their marriage. So we cannot divorce this chapter from the rest of the book of Ephesians. Because when we are told that we are blessed with every blessing that is in heavenly places, that is man and woman alike. When we are told about the grace of God, it is man and woman alike. When we are told about being brought as one into the body of Christ, it is man and woman alike. When it comes to the relationship of marriage as the Trinity, God is asking that each fulfill the designed role in which he has created for the marriage to allow that marriage to be a witness to the world and an encouragement to your own heart of the desired relationship that God wants to have with you.